morning, open my computer and look for the list. And they go, where are the, where are the lists? I had this incredibly vivid dream that I was back in college at 50 years old. And it was like some sort of really cool plan that someone had cooked up and said, okay, you're going to go back to Stanford for college. You'll be a freshman there, but at 50 years old to start the campus ministry. It would seem so real. I'm sitting there calling my wife. I'm going, I'm not sure if this was a good idea. It sounded, I woke up in the morning and I thought it was real. Have you ever had those kind of dreams? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it's because there's been a lot on my mind, right? Maybe I've been going through a bit. So just, you know, your, your things start going weirder than you normally are used to. And a lot of times when things kind of go askew, it's very important to just make life simple. Do you know that? Do you feel like your life was complicated this week? Raise your hand if you felt like it was a complicated week. Come on, you know how it is. At work, you wish all I needed to do was just do my job. But there's this thing at work that's called politics, right? You know, you think, gosh, I wish I could just make money, pay my bills, but then something always complicates it. In relationships, why can't we all just get along? We think, oh, church should be the most simplest, peaceful place, and yet someone at church either has an issue with you, or you might have an issue with them. Our parenting. Don't kids, kids just be so simple? From the day my daughter was born, I realized that she'd cry, and I wouldn't know how to help her feel better. And I said, I'm going to be trying to figure you out till the day I die. See, don't you think, wow, isn't life complicated? And God says, hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to ground yourself on what is basic, what is simple. Because the more complicated things are, the more you have to go with just kind of what's basic, what's simple. What are my roots? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter one. Paul writes to Timothy and he just gives him some basic advice. Timothy here, you know, Timothy is kind of what you would consider a young church leader or someone who might not be so young at this time, but he was definitely younger than Paul. Paul had trained him. All right. And so a lot of times, hey, Paul's just giving advice here. Let me tell you what you need to do. And let me just kind of say when you're young and you're trying to do something new, it's very confusing. So when you start a new job, whatever I tell people, whenever they start a new job, I say plan for this thing called work lag. It's like jet lag. Have you ever had jet lag? You go to a different country. Your body's adjusting to the new time. You're adjusting to the new language, the new places, the new relationships. And I said, when you start a new job, it's the same thing. You wake up now at a you know, different time, maybe a different commute different set of faces, and your whole body, mind, it's just adjusting. And so Paul goes, hey, Timothy, let me help you out here. At the end of Timothy, he tells him, hey, keep your head in all situations. He goes, let me help you get grounded in the basics. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. 
Isn't it great to have the mission to live out our faith by loving like Christ? It's everywhere in the Bible. Isn't that cool? And Paul says, let me just ground you because you're a church leader. You don't know what you're doing. Let me just ground you. Remember my teaching rooted in the faith and love of Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, a lot of times you think, no, isn't the deposit the Holy Spirit? Sometimes, yeah, the Bible describes the deposit as the Holy Spirit. But in this situation, he's saying, I just want you to guard the basics, the teachings that I've given you about with faith, of faith and love in Christ Jesus. And so what we've been doing, and I hope you understand that we've been covering this whole long section on just love, 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 love. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the basics of faith. The basics of faith, because sometimes you got to go, let me just live out my faith. Let me just hold on to my faith. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, I know a lot of you read the Bible up here behind me. A lot of you read the Bible on your gadgets. Not going to make fun of that. But when I write my lessons, I write them old school, so I keep in mind like where we are in the Bible, so I try to keep the passages together. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, when you have the gadget, you may not appreciate it as much. But let's go to verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. You see, the truth about faith nourishes us. See, the religious world tries to make faith a little bit faded or mystified or confusing. There are truths about faith that nourish us. When the times get tough, you got to get back to basic faith. And we're going to take a look at what is just basic faith. We're going to cover over the next number of weeks on surprise acronym. All right? We're going to talk about the acronym that surrounds what is, what, what is basic faith. What's the faith that nourishes us? Okay, the acronym spells seed. All right? And so I'm going to tell it to you. It's also on your bulletin. Do you see it? Grow and build seed faith. So if you want to want it, we're going to just cover this for the next number of weeks. We're going to cover this in the next number of weeks. You know what? Give me one second, guys. I forgot to time myself. Uh-oh. I think you would all appreciate that, so give me a second. So we're going to talk about growing and building seed faith. The, the S in seed faith, we're going, to do, we're going to focus on one aspect today, but the S in seed faith stands for saving faith. We need to be people who understand and spread saving faith. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. We're going to cover this more in depth kind of towards the end of the year or maybe at the beginning of next year. We're working with a group of uh, representatives from all over the south and east to just figure out what are some basic teachings we're going to have everyone be on the same page on, okay? And so saving faith, we'll talk more in depth later on, but let's just take a look at what the Bible says about what a saving faith is. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will what? 
save both yourself and your hearers. Isn't that interesting? You see, you'll save both yourself and your hearers if you watch two things. What you believe and what you do. Your life and your doctrine. Doctrine, another translation would be what you teach. What you promote. What you believe and teach from the Bible and how you live it out. Remember, faith just isn't in your heart and in your head. It's in your what? Your life. A saving faith is how you live. Turn to James chapter 2. You go, well, I haven't heard that. I know it's a good thing to obey Jesus. I know it's, you know, God wants us to. I know a lot of people say, well, the church I go to, once I have accepted Jesus into my life, once I've been saved by him, maybe out of appreciation, I will do what he says. Well, that's actually an idea, but it's not the actual definition of a saving faith. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? The answer is no. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Saving faith. There is beginning faith. There is dead faith. There is faith that's ineffective. And then there's saving faith. Remember, not any faith saves. A saving faith has your head involved, your heart involved, and your actions. That's when faith saves you, when they work together. Is that clear? We're going to cover that more later. Let's take a look at what the the E stands for in seed faith. It talks about empowered faith. Empowered faith. What does it mean to be empowered? Turn to James chapter 1. Empowerment's a big deal. I want you to understand that. When you look at any problem we've had in life, a lot of them had to do with we were made to feel powerless. Has that ever happened to you? You think about when you're young and maybe people make fun of you or people gossip about you or people pick on you. Well, you know, it could be your older sibling. It could be kids at school. What happens when you're young? You feel what? Powerless. When you're a teen and you're in school, one of the big things you're trying to figure out, teens, is what's my place in this world? What am I good at? Who are my real friends? And a lot of times we want to have this sense of power. At work, in relationships, there are things that make us feel powerless. And God says, I am the solution. He says, my role in your life is is if I could get you to live out your faith in me, you're going to feel this thing called power. The second thing that kind of hurts us is disconnection, but we're going to be talking about faith for the next number of Weeks that we can feel that power, the goal, the aim of much of your faith or the fruit of much of your faith is going to help you feel personally empowered. In James chapter 1, verse 2. I'm learning now how to hide the ball. See, if I say that verse right away, it comes up here and you guys start reading while I'm talking. I'm beginning to figure this out. 
I go, James chapter 1, and then they're like, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's a hard statement, isn't it? How many of you love pain? How many of you go, mmm, this morning, I sure hope something happens that hurts. You know what I'm saying? It's only the weird ones. You know, the ones that go to, like, you know, the UFC gym. You know, those CrossFit people. Yes! You know, you know, make me painful. You know, hurt me, hurt me. Um, Otherwise, most of us don't like pain. Because pain is painful. Pain doesn't feel good. And I like to feel good, right? The Bible says, consider it pure joy. That's rough. Why would I consider it pure joy? Because it says this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Bible says, hey, when when there's pain in your life, it's going to test this thing called faith. When you let the pain in your life test your faith, refine your faith, grow your faith, you're going to be transformed in a way that's going to make you complete, mature, not lacking anything. Have you ever felt like you're lacking something? I'm telling you, right? The older you get, the less you feel like you have. There's like this curve that kind of works. When you're a young kid, I don't know, when I was young, I was rife with insecurities. But most kids I know, and I'm not going to go into that, but when I, was, yeah, well, when I was a little kid, I noticed all the other kids were happy and running around. There's a picture that I wanted to post uh, in, in service, and I'll show it to you one day. Uh, I went to my family, uh, my neighborhood reunion. I talked to you about that. It was a number of months ago. They had pictures of when we were kids and when we were playing together. And, and the, the, neighborhood, they, the neighbor that hosted the party had pictures of a pool party they had. Now, keep in mind, I didn't learn how to swim until I was 14. And so there's this picture of me at the party, and I'm miserable all throughout. I'm the seven-year-old like this. You know, another place. I'm happier as a 50-year-old than I ever was as a, fifth, as a seven-year-old. Isn't that sad? But anyways... Better that it goes better as I get older, right? But a lot of us, when we were kids, we were just having a blast. A lot of us when we were kids, we didn't care how we looked. We didn't care how we smelled. We, you know, if we, if we didn't shower for a week, yippee yahoo, right? But the older we get, the more we start going, man, I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. There's someone else smarter than me. And that's just in middle school. Then we get to this point, maybe, we, maybe some of us feel good about ourselves, mid-20s, early 30s, and then you get to your 40s and your 50s, and then I don't have enough hair. <laughs> I have too much hair. You know how it goes? God says, wow, you know what? If you can learn how to persevere in your faith, You won't lack anything. You'll look in that mirror and see yourself through the eyes of faith. Isn't that cool? You'll say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because God doesn't make junk. 
You'll look at yourself in the mirror through the eyes of faith and say, God has done a wonderful thing. You'll look at other people through the eyes of faith and say, God doesn't make junk. And you won't panic when you're raising your kids. You won't panic when your spouse acts the way that, sounds, that feels like nails on a chalkboard. You, you'll, you'll feel great no matter what relationships come your way because you have become empowered by faith. But guess what? God's way of empowerment starts with suffering. Wah, wah, wah. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to go, I want it to be this goal that I have empowered faith. What is being empowered? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at the very end, but I just want you to understand that empowered faith comes through suffering. 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse, verse 6. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to su suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuine, genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end of result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Remember, the end result of your faith, the, the first S is saving faith. When you marinate in saving faith, what you understand, everything that's happening right now is to make you more saved. Did you know that Jesus says, if you're persecuted on this earth for your faith, you get a greater reward where? In heaven. Isn't that a wild thought? That when you stand up, you stand against, you, you have a spirit about you that doesn't cave in to what the world wants or thinks, ka-ching, you're making an investment in heaven. That you can think, wow, I got a great place I'm heading to. That can fill you with this love and gratitude for God and inexpressible glory and glorious joy, but where does it start from? It starts from fire from pain because what does fire and pain do it makes you focus on bigger and better things when you are going through a rough time you got a choice you can focus on the rough time or you can turn on the faith for those of us who are married when you're having that block with your spouse, you know, you remember when you're like in that moment? Some of us, we just go inward and we're just filled with thoughts in our heads. Some of us, we go outward and we just tell people off. But we're in that moment and our thoughts, everything, all our happiness and unhappiness is just focused on this one person. You can't get out of it, really. You can't get out of it unless you use faith. You start thinking, huh, who is Jesus and how would Jesus be? You start thinking about, wow, God is allowing this to happen for a reason. You go, you know what, I'm not here to get what I want to protect myself. I'm here to be like Christ. 
You're, you can't get out of it unless you start turning on the faith. You guys get that? Kids, everything that's happening in your life is to build your faith. My parents are acting this way. They won't let me do this. They won't me, let me do that. You know, somehow that's going to build your faith. When it comes to just all our relationships, everything that's happened to us, right now, when, it, when there's fire in your life, you can focus on the fire or you can turn on the faith. That's actually the only times we really turn on the faith, really. If, if things are going good, you go, wow, this is pretty good. I found myself, when life is good, my prayer life fades. When life is tougher, I'm like, God, Jesus, get me through. I have to close my eyes and picture the happy ending. I have to put my head on my hands, you know, and just imagine God working. So we understand all this, though, the fire is supposed to build faith, and then that's going to help you be this thing called empowered. Well, what kind of suffering? Does God want me to endure? I've been talking about all the suffering that comes when people get on your nerves, right? Let's go to chapter 2. Come on, chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19, it says, For it is commendable... If someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So yes, there's, wow, life's a bummer endurance. And I think all of us has, that happen, has had that happen to us. But God says, I want you to suffer in a different way. Suffer for doing good. There's suffering when you haven't exercised enough. You know, what's the suffering? Well, let's see. You're, I went to Universal Studios with my son, okay? And Universal Studios has this lower level. Okay, have you, how many of you have been to universities? Have you seen that, that lower level? How many escalators? There's these huge, long escalators. They go down. It's like, I don't know, 13, 14-story drop. And these escalators that go down, down, down. And so we went on the rides, and we said, okay, let's go back up. And you know what my son said? I want to climb the stairs. That's a great idea, son. You want to do it, Dad? No. Oh, come on. Okay, I'll try one. I go up one. I could barely make it up one flight of those stairs. My son went up all of them. And I got on that escalator and was like, do, 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 you know, watching him just walk. Why? Because I'm out of shape. There's the suffering that happens because, well, I didn't take care of something. Bad things happen around me. Yeah, there was a brother once I knew. He was my roommate. I was a single. He was a single. We were in our early 20s. We lived in L.A. And it just seemed like, wow, bad things kept happening to him all the time, all the time. And then I started realizing you're actually very irresponsible. 
You leave things lying around. He goes, my car got hit. I go, I go where? He goes, oh, I parked it on the street. We go to where it was. It was a no parking <laughs> place, and his car got hit. I, go, I, I said, have you ever thought that maybe all these bad things happen to you because you just don't take care of things? So there's that kind of suffering. And even when you suffer in that way, God says, turn on the faith. Understand grace can reign. I could get you through. Turn back to me. Those things, God wants faith to reign too. But guess what? There's the suffering for doing good. If you go to the gym, then it doesn't hurt so much going up the stairs. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you love other people, you reach out to people, you give to people. It hurts. But God says it's going to help your faith. And these are some things we got to understand. God says, I want you to have this sense of empowerment. But it happens when you let your faith, you put your faith in a place where it's going to feel the burn. That's what church is supposed to be. I'm sorry. You know, you go, I want to come to church. I want to be fed. I want to enjoy or whatever. Actually, this is supposed to be like CrossFit faith. Did you know that? Church is actually supposed to be a place where we help each other feel the burn. You go, really? Yeah, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, the Bible says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, there should be a spurring of each other here. Yeah! That's what a spur is, right? It's the things you put on the side of your cowboy boots. And when you ride that horse, you're supposed to kick the horse on the side. Actually, this kind of animal cruelty. They probably don't have that anymore, right? Who knows what they do now? They have like these gentle pats to get your horse going. But back in the day, right? Spur, yeah, that's actually, there should be a bit of CrossFit faith going on even in the fellowship. And that's going to actually help you one day be stronger, this sense of empowerment. Let's close out in Romans chapter 5. The goal for us as disciples real disciples of Jesus is to just take a no shortcut way to godly confidence. You see, you could feel confident. Now, you know, if someone had plastic surgery, I don't want them to feel embarrassed, right? But you could sometimes feel confident by, did you know what you can do now? You can freeze your fat and it could disappear. Have you heard about that? I'm... it's, it's great. I haven't done it, obviously. But let me tell you. Let me tell you. Because right, you think of plastic surgery, they cut, and all of, a sudden, all of a sudden your face is stretched back or whatever. You know what I'm saying, right? Plastic surgery, you know, they inject you, and you're like that. And you go, there's, like, what's the risk, right? This can be, you know, I can end up looking very scary, right? But this, this it's like, it's, it's completely healthy. Don't do it. Don't try it at home. What it is is they freeze your fat. They put this ice thing on your fatty areas. The fat cells die, and they just dissipate from your body. Ka-ching. Doesn't that sound great? (laughs) 
Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll consult with you afterwards. Um, no, I don't know how much it costs, but it sounds really cool. Yeah, I know, huh? Now you're all going to be like, hey, can look, ever start, everyone starts looking it up on their phones. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Someone says something, you start looking it up on your phones. It's freezethefat.com. No, it's not. Uh, but here's this thought. You go, well, I could actually, you know, freeze my fat. I, I could be thinner real easily. You know, that, that, a lot of times we want the confidence and the character. We want the heart. We, we want to be strong. And God says, hey, you know what? There's no freeze the fat when it comes to your faith. Romans chapter 5. In verse 3, let's go to verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Bible is so rich in in just how life should be. And it just says, hey, guess what? When you suffer and you persevere, you get this thing called character. And this character produces hope. And that hope you can have all the time because God pours his love into our hearts. Let me just tell you what suffering can do for you. In John 15, the Bible says, you know what, if you remain in me, you know, you're going to bear fruit. And uh, we know that when you bear fruit, that means you love like Jesus. So when you remain in me, you're going to love like Jesus. And then God actually prunes you to make you more fruitful or more loving. What we've got to understand is this. Suffering in our lives can actually result in God's love being poured into us if we let it. If you let the suffering in your life make you resentful, angry, bitter, it's not going to do anything. If you let the suffering in your life lead you to just being an escapist or a controller instead of someone who's going, wow, I'm going to be like Jesus through this moment. I'm going to learn to love like Jesus through this moment. If you could learn how to do that, you're going to develop this thing called character. What is empowerment? Empowerment is having the inner strength, the character, the confidence to believe that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm going to act like Jesus. And you believe that that's the best way to be. See, it's not just enough that you go, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to act and love like Jesus, period. But you have this momo attitude. And then I'll be a doormat. And then people will just keep taking advantage of me. But, you know, and then I'll just have a good attitude or I'll just try to feel okay. I'll just hang on. It's not enough. It's to know that God, to have this hope, it says, that when I be this way, God is going to produce something amazing and incredible. We want to be people with empowered faith, don't we? That means you'll have confidence. You walk into any room. 
And you're not going to be afraid of the people there because you're going to focus on loving the people there. You're going to encounter any difficulty. You're not going to be afraid of whether you're going to succeed or fail because you're going to feel like, wow, you know what? If I'm just like Jesus, I've succeeded. Well, you didn't get the grade that someone else that you wanted. Well, I was like Jesus. I succeeded. You didn't get the praise that, pe- that you wanted. You know what? I was like Jesus. So what? I succeeded. The c- empowerment, an empowered faith is that inner strength that is confident that no matter what happens, you're going to respond like Jesus. And then from responding like Jesus, God will bring great things. You go, well, what kind of great things? Verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved from, through his life? Not, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You go, okay, so I'm acting like Jesus. How do I know that it's going to work out my way? You know what the Bible just says? You're getting reconciled with Jesus by acting like him. You get a chance to just be like him, to live like him, to experience what he's experienced. And the Bible is saying, isn't that enough? Isn't that great? Wouldn't you like to be Oprah for a day? Wouldn't you like to be, you know, whatever sports star for the day? Wouldn't you like to be whatever performing artist for the day? You got to love that chance to do that for a day. When you suffer for doing good, guess what? You got to be Jesus for the day. And isn't that good enough? Isn't that a great opportunity? So what we're going to be covering, so we just talked, you know, later on in the year or maybe next year, we're going to talk about seed faith. We're talking about here empowered faith. I hope you go, wow, I want that. I want to just have that internal character and strength that if I'm like Jesus, that's awesome. Okay, I want that to be our passion. The other two, exercised and devoted faith, we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. But basically, if you want to have a picture of what is exercised faith and what is devoted faith, I want you to think of exercise and diet. Okay? And we're going to just talk about how do I feed my faith and how do I keep my faith healthy and strong. Does that sound good? Amen. All right. Well, have a great time in fellowship. We're going to meet today with the dads of the teens in a, in a few minutes, but after a time of fellowship, we'll call the dads of the teens uh, right up here. We call them the dots. So we'll be connecting the dots to my right in about 10, 15 minutes. Have a great time in fellowship. <laughs>